Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 679. If you'd like to have a copy of it, Sharon will tell you how at the end of the program. Just let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. I have music, I've got letters, and I've got a message right from the throne of the Lord. And uh, right now, let's pray. Father God, I ask that you destroy these... Um, the will of these people that have these uh, low-class television programs that Satan is using to, in an attempt to destroy godly people. Lord, bring them down. Let them repent if possible. If you know, I know that you know whether they'll repent or not. If they're not, Lord, take them. Take them out into eternity. And I pray, Lord, you told me that you're going to take that woman's twins uh, if she doesn't stop it, and she just belligerently keeps going. She's desperate to keep her wicked television program on the air. So she's doing everything just like uh, this Dr. Phil, uh, taking uh, pathetic half-wits, people that have mental cases. They're like, uh, they, they, have, they should be in mental hospitals, and he puts them on the program because he wants to... Uh, keep his, a program on the air, and there's so many people that just love to listen to that kind of garbage that he puts out. Sensationalism, uh, filthy TV programs that just prey on people that are not bright, and to tear down people or to attempt to tear down people to his own level and her own level. If anyone was of the Lord, they would be uh, talking about the child abuse, the broken bones, and the murdering, the children that have been murdered at this uh, satanic uh, Vatican cult throughout the world, and the children that have been molested, and the homosexuality going on in there, and the, the most corrupt, evil force on the face of this earth, and they're uh Jesuits uh, have their television programs and they just banter these evil things that they're saying about rather than um, admitting that they're sinners and that they're the worst of sinners on earth. That Lord, you could, if they repented, you'd save them, but they doesn't seem like they're going to do it. So Lord God, I pray that you'll bind Satan and do, Father, what you said you were going to do. And that you close every door to Satan. Close down those television programs, Father God. And open up great and mighty doors for us. Let us be on TV. If that's your will. But whatever, Lord, let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Open up doors for us and that souls may be saved, Lord, and the church, the body of Christ, strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, now, uh, here's Elvis Presley to sing for you if we ever meet again.
Until we gather in the heavens, bright city, far away on that beautiful shore. If we never be again, the sight of heaven, as we struggle. Through this world and its trouble, there's a night meeting place somewhere in heaven, by the side of the river of where the charming roses bloom forever. And where separations come no more. If we never meet again, the sight of heaven, I'll meet you on that beautiful shore. Praise the Lord. Well, we, uh, the people of this world, have allowed uh, such degradation of the Word of God to happen for so long that it's next to impossible. All things are possible with the Lord if you believe, but it's next to impossible to get people to really pay any attention to anything that the Lord is saying because there's so many um, evil words that have been said over radio, television, and the motion picture screen, and all these filthy talk shows that are degrading and doing everything they can to degrade the Word of God and God. Now God's getting really ticked off at it, and he's pouring out his uh, plagues on the earth. And this is just the beginning of sorrows. There's much more to come. And people, a lot of people don't believe that, but uh, a lot of people die. Um, a lot of men uh, didn't believe, and a lot of men died. And they're scrambling in wreckages uh, looking for their children. And many of them are laying on the streets, uh, and they're dead. And the parents are dead, too, because they never raised the children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Well, why? We, I don't believe we should fear the Lord. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to fear him. You're going to fear him one of these days because the Bible states that Jesus, God sent Jesus into this world to save men. But you people are rejecting salvation. You're rejecting the Son of the living God. You're the Word of God. You pay no attention to God's Son, which is his Word. And uh, the so you're going to have to pay for it. The more you reject, the more you get angry at God, the more he's going to start pouring wrath out. And what are you going to do about it? Even the government doesn't know what to do. They're sending all the money that we have uh, uh, to NASA to build rockets to go to the moon, to Mars, and all these uh, ridiculous places to find uh, life there, and there's none. And they're spending billions of dollars on bombing 
other countries, the satanic government, and uh, the media that's condoning it and trying to make people believe that uh, we're honoring you. This country is not honoring, uh, the government is not honoring the war uh, dead or the dead people that fought in war. They know that they duped those people into going overseas. And they're dead, little uh, young guys, little boys, 18, 19, 20 years old, 21 and 22. It's uh, so evil, this wicked cult. And they're talking about breaking bones. Uh, the Vatican is the cause of hundreds of millions of little girls and boys with their broken bones and their filthy, uh, uh, they bury them in the basements of these covens. They call them convents, but it's covens. Witches, witchcraft covens is what they are. And so we, um, we just got to pray all you people that are really Christians out there, not the ones that just say they're Christians, but those of you that are angry at Satan and you hate Satan. The Lord says we are to hate Satan. We are to love the Lord and hate Satan. We cannot sit down and negotiate with Satan. Satan is never going to change. We're never going to make a deal with him because he just, if you make a deal with him, you sell your soul. If you make a deal with Satan, you sit down even to discuss it with him. You're not even to be just to shake the dust of your feet off at him and flee from the very appearance of his evil schemes and the things that he's doing here on this earth. So um, flee from the appearance of the devil. Uh, we're in a chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, and this is verse 2. Now, the, this is the Apostle Paul talking now, and he says, Now, I praise you, brethren. He's talking to brothers, people that are branches in the vine or branches in the olive tree. There are many um, figures or types or symbols of this. We have to be in the Lord because in him there's life. If, we're, if you take um, a branch off of a tree and throw it, uh, over uh, in the gutter someplace, even though it's springtime or uh, summer and the leaves are on there, without being fused in with the uh, the tree or the vine, that branch is going to wither and die. And those of you that are in the world that don't know Christ, you're dead because you must be in the olive tree, the true olive tree, or you must also be in the vine. Or the Father comes and if bearing good fruit. Now you just can't are not to bear fruit, but it has to be good fruit. You can't we are not allowed to teach people heresy or false things. And so if I start teaching you false things, then the Lord will put my lights out. Just as you see all these uh a lot of people flourishing for a while, he said. But then all of a sudden, you'll, you'll be dead. They won't be here any longer. They will be gone. And their entire cult will be taken over. 
It's like Jim and Tammy Baker. They delved into homosexuality, lesbianism. She was even standing up for them. And here, of course, God has to take her out. You don't see her anymore. You don't see her laughing and giggling and acting stupid. And in prison, I was in, I was railroaded into prison on false allegations. And I, a lot of people would come from the hospital in Rochester and say that some very terrible things about Jim Baker, that he would get mail sacks of money in, and they had a lot of young boys around him. I don't dare go any further, I suppose. I could just say that a lot of them accuse him of being a homosexual. The people in the gospel field call him a good money raiser. But people like myself, people like the Apostle Paul, verse 2, Now I praise you, brethren, he's talking to the brothers, the saved, the ones that are branches, in the olive tree and in the vine, that ye remember me in all things. Why? Because God commands you to give honor, double honor, to those that labor in the word, the word of God. And keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Well, what is ordinances? Read what the dictionary says about ordinances until I stop you. Ordinance, an authoritative decree or direction. Okay. The, there's no authority other than God. Because all these other authorities that you see, they're temporal and they're going to be gone. The Bible talks about the people in Europe burning the Vatican to the ground. And uh, so this is the things you have to watch for. You'll see these things happen. Uh, you know, a lot of you will die, maybe tomorrow, the next day, whatever. And woe unto you if you're not saved. But some of you will see that come to pass because we're that far into the end of time. So remember in all me and all things and keep the ordinances. So keep going what ordinances means. Uh, read it again. An authoritative decree or direction. Okay. See, God gives you divine direction. All the other direction is of no value whatsoever. Uh, Bush directed all of our troops over to get killed. Uh, they did directed that the World Trade Center would be bombed. And that the uh, people, he just wanted, the devil wants to see how awake you people are, to see how far things are gone. And I sent all those uh, people over there laughing and joking while they were killing, murdering the people at Waco. And then uh, the FBI were in on the bombing also of the federal building in Oklahoma City because they rushed in there just minutes before the bomb blew up and took their children out of the daycare center that was in there. And then uh, John Peeler, who's a former FBI undercover agent, read my piece of literature entitled, Another Pearl Harbor. The world government needs another Pearl Harbor. We need to take over the world. We need to take over Iraq. 
We need to take over Iran and every government on earth and make them what they call democracy, but it's actually a dictatorship. That's what it is. You know, you can take a jar of poison and put a label on it saying honey. But still, the ingredients are poison. And that's what this evil one world cult headed by the devil in Rome and the media is doing is they're labeling all sorts of evil things with labels of honey. And they're taking the things that are really of the Lord and marking them poison and cult. And uh, they call it a... Um, compounds and things like that so uh, and polygamous oh my goodness well polygamy is never condemned in the Bible Old or New Testament never but homosexuality is see and so they're labeling uh, along with John Hagee does the same thing he labels polygamous as devils and he puts them right in with the homosexuals and the child molesters. No wonder God smeared muster all over his face when he starts getting into politics. Jesus never voted for anybody, nor did he ever tell us to vote for Caesar or anybody in Caesar's regime. No apostles voted for any of these uh, secular people. What have I to do to put my name next to somebody? This uh, Rod Parsley. And God took that other guy in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, out into eternity because he's just saying, we have to, you know, keep the name of God posted in all these different places. God never made any regulation like that. These people can do whatever they want because they're going to stay in judgment. Okay, uh, we don't go and... Uh, uh, throw homosexuals in prison? Why are they throwing polygamists in prison? God says, let everybody do what they're going to do. They're not abusing children. The Vatican is the one that uh, is abusing children, but they say, we judge our own people. Well, then let me judge my own people in my church because I have true judgment from the Lord. You people are judging with Satan's judgments. But anyway, let's get back here. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Keep going on the word ordinance. An order, a law set forth by a governmental authority. Okay, and God's government is the kingdom of heaven. And he is the only authority on the face of this earth in the whole universe. Now, his authority is so great that he has this um, all the planets doing the things that they're supposed to do. He has the tide coming in exactly. We can predict when the tide is going to be in if that time goes on to 2009, 10, 11, and 12. And so his authority is real. When he starts pouring out his wrath on the earth, the government agents flee. They run into bomb shelters. Uh, they're worried. They're chewing their... Uh, I believe some of them are chewing their tongue now. Because they know it's coming. 
The Bible says that Satan knows that it's coming. He knows that his time is short. And that he's full of wrath. He's like pouring out his wrath on Christians. Uh, doing everything in his power to make them lose faith. So that they fall away from the Lord. And so that they go to hell with him. And they go to the lake of fire with him. But hang on, brothers and sisters, because uh, this is an exciting time. You can show your uh, faith to Jesus, your fidelity to him. Okay, finish with ordinance. Something ordained or decreed by fate or deity. Okay, and that's it. So the ordinance as I delivered them to you. Well, I've delivered the ordinance to you folks out there. And he says, remember me in all these things uh, that I have uh, told you. And then I'll praise you, brethren, if that uh, you remember me in all these things uh, and uh, keeping the ordinances and all the things that I delivered them to you. Verse 3, but I would have you know. Why is this so important that he's going to have us know this in this particular chapter? That the head of every man is Christ. Is that unsaved men? No, because you're really not a man. You're not even uh, alive. But the head of every man, he's talking real men. Like on the um, Larry King show, somebody told me that he had some of those people from the Latter-day Saints on his program. And they said that Larry asked one of them, uh, why do you want so many of you to be married to one man? And the woman said, well, because there's so few real men. Uh, men are punks. But we, we can't find a man except for godly men. So when he's talking about, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Now, Christ is not the head of it. He would love to be the head of every man out there, but they prefer the weak and beggarly things of this present world. And the head of the woman is the man. Well, was that a godly man? No, a godly man. And that's why a woman, that is a godly woman, cannot respect an ungodly man. Because they don't have anything in them. They don't have Christ in them. They don't keep the commandments. So the head of, every, of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Verse 4. Every man praying... Or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. In other words, his head is Christ, so you're dishonoring Christ. Because Christ is your head, amen? But uh, then verse 5, But every woman that prayeth or prophesies, with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, her husband. 
Well, how is that? Well, it's because uh, her glory is her hair. Amen? Amen. And I don't want to be walking down the street with a bald-headed wife. Now, some of you people today like that, but uh, like the Mansons. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. In other words, that all of her hair is shaven off. Verse 6, For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Shave her head. But it, um, if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn, or shaven, let her be covered. Now, this uh, chapter later on it says that her hair is for her is a covering, is a covering for her. So that means if it's just a covering, that there must be several other coverings. Maybe a shawl if she doesn't have hair. If she's been shorn, or a hat, I imagine. Verse seven. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. So if she didn't have any hair, that's her glory. And how could she glorify her man if she didn't have any hair? That's just one aspect of salvation. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. God took woman out of man's rib cage. And now we, the body of Christ, come out of Christ. Eve came out of Adam, and they sinned, and so now Christ has to come and redeem us, save us. And so he did. And now, uh, we are the bride of Christ. She was the bride of uh, Adam, and we are the bride of Christ, because we're taken out of his body. We're members of his body. And so is Eve, members of uh, Adam's body. So the woman is of the man. Verse 9, neither was the man created for the woman, as a lot of women think today. But the woman was created for the man to be a helpmate, to help him out. And if you're not a help to your husband, then you're a nothing. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head, on her husband. Because of the angels. Now, if we don't keep the commandments of the Lord, God will dismiss the guardian angels, and you won't have an angel one to stop Satan from bugging you, from sending strong delusions to you, uh, to be uh, deceiving you in any way. So this is cause of the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. 
I mean, you're acting as though you, the man is nothing when God says that he's your head. And if uh, God is his head, if Christ is his head, well, then who are you to say that that's not true, that I'm going to go get a job, I'm going to compete with man instead of doing what the Lord says to get married, have children, stay at home, take care of the house, take care of the children. And learn from your own husband. This is husbands and wives that are of God. This isn't for unsaved men and women. They, you know, they just do anything they want anyway. Verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman. In other words, mankind cannot be born without women these days. Neither the woman without the man. Because the man uh, is the one that sows seed into the woman to bring forth men and women. But only, it says, in the Lord, in the Lord. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. But remember, he's just talking about people in the Lord. Uh, the saints, the brothers and sisters. Okay, now I'm going to turn the page here and continue on. Verse uh, 12. For as a woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things are of God. Verse 13, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? She has to have a covering. Verse 14, does not even nature itself uh, teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. You know, when I saw the Lord, uh, when he appeared in front of me, he didn't have real long hair at all. It was bushy. Black. His eyes were black. His skin was Caucasian. He's Jewish. God is not a black He's not Chinese. He's not beige or brown. He is a Jew. He's white. Verse 15, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Oh, yeah, I notice, you know, a lot of people say, uh, my wife has long hair. It's not a glory to say she has short hair. For her hair is given her for a covering. So women have to be covered. You get um, short hair and you're not covered. A lot of these women today are cutting their hair, shaving their heads. Verse 16, but if any man seem to be uh, contentious, we have no such custom, neither the church 
churches of God. Verse 70, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Verse 18, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Verse 19, for there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Because if you're preaching the truth, you're teaching the truth, well, then you'll be approved. But if you're a heretic, you will not be approved, not in the church of the Lord. Verse 20, but, you know, if you're in a cult like the Vatican, I mean, the whole place is infested with false doctrine and false, uh, all sorts of statues. And this is, this is one thing that you never do. Verse 20, and praying to Mary for God's sake. That's so filthy. It's fornication. Verse 20, when ye come together, therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. A lot of them were coming together and they were eating and drinking and like it was uh, some kind of a banquet or something. Verse 20, for in eating, everyone t- taketh uh, before other his own supper. And one is hungry and another is drunken. Verse 22, what? Have ye not houses to eat in uh, and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, uh, the body of Christ, and shame them that have not, that don't have, that are not yet in the body of Christ? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take Eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This in remembrance of me. Do this for you. This do in remembrance of me. Okay, this is my body which is broken for you. He broke the bread to symbolize that all the people that are going to be his children must be broken. They must turn their back on the world. They must take up a cross, deny themselves, and follow him. And that means that you're not going to be doing things that he didn't do. Take eat, this is my body. So here you are doing things that uh, the body of Christ should not do, and so therefore you're uh, doing everything in your power to um, make the people 
the body of Christ be separated, to not follow the Lord's word. Now, the, the, the Lord said through Paul that the brethren, the ones, uh, the whole, all of Israel that were delivered from Egypt were baptized in the Red Sea. All of them together. There was no difference. We're not to, when there's Holy Communion, you're not to take your uh, food, a basket full of chicken or something like that, and soda pop or wine or something uh, to the church. But you're all to be this, uh, partake in the same thing. You're all so must keep the commandments of the Lord. Because uh, my body is, are you people. You are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. He's the vine and we're his body. He's the head and we are the body. So he says, take, eat. In other words, partake. This is my body, which is broken for you. There's no possible way that you can be part of his body if you're not broken. You have to have uh, be have a broken spirit. Our spirits want to go here and there and do all these different things. There's so many distractions, so many things to do, what to do, what to do. But my body is broken for you. So that you can see that it's broken and that you can see that you must be broken as well. This do, in other words, be broken in remembrance of me. So that you remember that uh, without being broken, you don't have me. Verse 25, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, well, this is a commandment, this is an ordinance, this do ye. Paul said, I'm passing this on to you, these ordinances. In other words, drink my blood. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. It's a contract that's signed in his blood. And so when we make a contract, they just can't be one party on a contract. We have to sign the contract too. This do as often, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. This is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. This is symbolic of the things that Christ has done for us. So we all, it's a cross-carrying situation. We all must take up a cross and follow, take up our own cross and follow the Lord. Drinking the blood means that we lay our lives down. No greater love does anyone have than the one that lays his life down to do the will of the Lord, to preach the gospel, and to do it fearlessly. Well, why Why do you say it's fearless to preach the gospel? Well, look at all the false things they're saying about us, and they said about the Lord and the Apostle Paul, they cut his head off. They... uh turned Peter upside down, and I nailed him to a cross. All of them were martyred 
for the gospel. So we have to drink. We have to take that cup. Now, I remember when Susie, I was uh, going to die before this, the Lord held a cup out to her. And he says, will you drink this cup? This is the cup that I want you to die. And later, I'll raise you from the dead. She said, and he was holding the cup up to her, and she took it. And she drank it. And I says, why do you have to die? She said, because uh, the Lord wants me to, to show his power. Now, she had a vision years uh, before I was married to her or ever met her. That vision was that she was going to be preaching the gospel in this wedding dress. And uh, yeah, this is just so deep. And she told me about it before we were married. And so we went out before we even knew we were going to be married. And so she said, well, you go downtown with me to, to see if we can find that wedding dress. She said, it's got ruffles up around the neck. It's got ruffles around the wrist. And that it's made out of really beautiful white. And so we went shopping all day downtown Los Angeles. And we couldn't find it. But then, to make a long story short, you can read uh, this piece of literature. This supernatural thing that happened. And in more much greater detail. Now, she um, She died. And Glenda Parsons in Fort Smith, Arkansas, has a wig shop. And Susie's hair all came off because she was taking chemotherapy. So uh, Susie would wear wigs, and she was she knew how to fix them. And uh, she would send them over also to Glenda. When she died, Glenda called up and said, if there's anything I can do to help you. Ray and Glenda Parsons. She says, I'll do it. So I said, well, could you help with her hair and her makeup? She said, I would be love to do that. And she says, what about something to wear? I said, could you help with that too? I was totally crushed. And so there wasn't, uh, I just, she said, let's go to Tulsa. We'll probably have a better chance because there's not any decent stores that we can buy anything for her to be buried in there. And so we looked everything. We went through the closet in our house. It was a huge closet. And there was nothing there. Everything that she had there was uh, made of, uh, it was just made for television. And so we went to, and I just said, man, this is frustrating. We've got to get something down to the funeral home in Tulsa here. She died at the Oral Roberts uh, Hospital in Tulsa. And uh, we were going through this department store and nothing, nothing. And then we were going through this other area where they had bridal gowns. And I, honest to God, never even thought anything about it at all. But I uh, I said, that looks like it would be good. they just really uh, heavenly looking up. Uh, wedding dresses and so she said well those are wedding dresses tony and i said well that would be all right wouldn't it she's married to the lord now and she was when she was here and so she says let's take one down so they called the they were hanging up real high and they got one of these sticks to take it down and she said this is beautiful it had ruffles around the neck and it's just really nice full length arms very 
wispy. You could see a little bit here and there through that. And so we bought it and took it there. And when we went into the funeral home, I wanted to go in the back, and there was the Holy Spirit stopped me. He says, no. So I sat down on the couch, and in about five minutes or ten minutes, this voice came, I'm pretty, Daddy. And I says, praise the Lord, I raised my hands up. I says, I know you are, honey. I know you're pretty. You're beautiful. And they, that instant, they opened the door and said, she's ready now. You can uh, see her. So I went in there, and here was this wedding dress that she told me about with the ruffles on the sleeves, and she looked absolutely gorgeous. And um, so this was the cup that the Lord said that she should drink. She says, he said, uh, she told me, Tony, she was leaning up against the wall as we went into this big master bedroom in our house, which was made out of a $9,000 steel building. And she says, Tony, uh, God's going to take me. He told me to take this cup and drink it. It's his blood. Because he, we have to partake in his blood, in his body, his flesh. And so... She says, I'm going to be gone for a while. Quite a while, she said. But Tony, the Lord's going to raise me from the dead. And we're going to be preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're the two witnesses. And I said, praise the Lord, honey. I mean, this God, but why do you have to die? She said, I already told him I'm going to do it. So this is my blood. This is the cup of the New Testament. This is what it's all about. This is the fulfillment. We are the body of Christ. What he did, we have to follow him into it. This is the Holy Spirit, his blood, the cup that we must drink. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Susie drank that cup. And I wasn't that willing to drink it at the time. Uh, I didn't want to lose her. I didn't want her to go, but she had already agreed with the Lord. Verse 26, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. Die, the Lord says. Give your whole life over to me and die out to the flesh. Don't want what you want, Tony. Want what I want. I want Susie to die and then be raised from the dead and for you to be the two witnesses because people are mocking and scoffing and they don't believe that you have the Lord. They've been deceived so much they need to see somebody again just like I was raised from the dead. They want to see somebody else that's raised from the dead and then they want to see the two witnesses, the two witnesses of God that are able to call down plagues on the earth. And anyone that tries to kill them, God will kill. And then after they've been dead for three and a half days laying in the streets, we'll both be killed. But now I'm ready to drink the cup. And a lot of other people should be able to drink the cup after they see that she was dead. She was dead over 25 years, 26 years now. She said it would be quite a while. The Lord's death to show the Lord's death till he comes 
Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, if you say you're going to do it and then you turn your back on the Lord, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, But I let a man examine himself. Examine yourself by reading the word and see if you stack up, that you measure up to the word of God, and so let him eat of that bread of Christ's body and drink of that cup. Because if you, if Susie would have denied that, who? Verse 29, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, if you are not sold out to the Lord, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's like you don't care how people see you live. You don't care how the brothers and sisters in the church see you live. You want to have pleasure in your life. Susie and I went down to the depths. She was ill with cancer for 17 years. Verse 30, For this cause many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep. Verse 31, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged the righteous judgment of God. If we do what's right, he has righteous judgment. If we kept the commandments, we drank the cup, we ate the body, we will be judged righteously. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Well, the world, what do you mean they're condemned? Yes, the world are the people that are deceived. Verse 33, Wherefore, my brethren, he's talking to body of Christ now, when uh, you come together to eat, carry one for another. Wait until they all get there before you start stuffing your face. As a matter of fact, you're not supposed to stuff your face. Verse 34, And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto uh condemnation why um when you're coming there it's a sacred thing to eat uh the body the flesh of the lord and to drink the cup this is sacred and so you don't go there to be chewing on chicken or some other thing so eat fill yourself up before you get there and uh, the rest, the rest of these things, the Apostle Paul says, will I set in order. I'll put them together for you when I come. That was the end of chapter 11. And so we're going to be uh, studying. I'm going to explain to you chapter 12 uh, in the next message. Praise the Lord. And... Um, Right now, it's time to pray because it's just amazing how my time just ended at the end of that chapter. 
So uh, those of you that you need to understand the body of Christ because the body of Christ is us and we have an obligation to stand with the Lord and eat his flesh and drink his blood. Drink whatever cup he sets before us. And to go through whatever he had gone through if necessary. We'll never go through everything that he went through by any means. But right now, we must be born again. Uh, the Lord said, that's a must. There's no other way you get into heaven. And we'll, uh, so say this prayer to have that happen to you. Say to the Lord, my Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. And I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart and I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus, Holy Father, God, and Holy Spirit. Wash all my former filthy sins away in the precious blood that you shed for me. You will not turn me away, Lord Jesus. You will save my soul. I know because your word says so. Your word says you'll turn no one away, and that includes me. Therefore, I know that you have heard me, and I know that you have answered me, and I know that I'm saved. Now just raise your hands up in praise and thank the Lord for saving your soul. Praise the Lord and adding unto you more spiritual power. And... Um, Right now, uh, Sharon, tell our listening audience how to receive a copy of this program, number 679. Please let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. They're free. Go to alamoministries.com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas, 75505, or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370 or fax to area code 479-782-7406. Praise the Lord. This is World Pastor Tony Alamo. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for another powerful message. The straight and narrow way. The powerful way to, the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven. And um, here's uh, Elvis Presley again to sing Milky White Way. Yes, I'm gonna walk all oh, that milky white way Oh Lord, some of these days Well, I'm gonna walk that milky white way Some of these days Well, 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 well I'm gonna walk up and take my stand